Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the ACB Students Video Game Seminar. My name is Tyson Ernst. I'll be the host uh, for the call, and I'm going to give out the opening CEU code. So get ready right here in just a second. The opening CEU code is 67EDA. Repeat it once more. That's 67E like Edward, D like Delta, A like Alpha. And I'm going to turn this over to Min Ha, who will take you the rest of the way. Everybody, this is Minha, president of ACB Students, and I want to say a big welcome to you to our first ever accessible video game seminar. Um, we have a really great presenter for you today. His name is Brandon Cole, and he um, has done a lot of great work in promoting accessibility for blind and visually impaired video gamers. Um, so um, I'm going to pass it over to Mitchell, who is one of our directors on the ACBS board, to introduce Brandon, our feature presenter for today. All right. So um, some of you may know uh, Brandon. He has worked. So he regularly, he has been a uh, accessibility advocate for quite a while now. And he just recently was... Um, consulted with on The Last of Us Part Two, which we were mentioning earlier, about how it's become a hugely accessible game. And so it would um, gonna be really interest awesome to hear from his experience as someone who worked on the game. I mean, he can only say so much because of non-disclosure agreements, but as we as we get through this, it's gonna be really interesting to see what goes into and how making a game accessible and how just everything can turn out from one game that would not seem to be accessible, but it just becomes really accessible. So we're really glad to have him here today. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so what got you into video games in the first place? I love telling this story. The answer to that question is actually a practical joke played upon me by my older brother who thought it would be fun to, uh, to trick his uh, younger brother into thinking that he was playing a video game. You see, he asked me one day, my six-year-old self, five or six years old, if I wanted to play Super Mario Brothers with him. And I thought to myself, well, I can't do that. That's a video game. The word video is in that, which means I can't do it because, it, you know, I can't see it. Uh, and, uh, but eventually, for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, I eventually agreed. And uh, so we went to where our Nintendo Entertainment System was at the time, our regular old Nintendo, the good old classic NES. And he handed me a controller, and the game began. And before I knew it, I was breaking bricks, collecting mushrooms and coins and extra lives and saving princesses and defeating enemies, and it was amazing. And then the credits rolled as the game was finished. And that is when I finally got the punchline. You see... My wonderful brother had handed me the unplugged second-player controller and basically told me to hit buttons while he played the entire game. The entire game. So, at the time, I was pretty crushed by this. Um, and I, I, you know, I, was, I was kind of heartbroken because here I was, you know, listening to all these sound effects, thinking I had done this cool thing. Turns out I'd done nothing at all. So it hurt a little bit. But at the same time, it sparked something in me, and it basically made me, it, I, I kind of made a vow that day. And that vow was that one day I would beat a game without my brother's help, my brother's assistance, and my brother's you know, nagging and joking and all that fun stuff. And uh, so I started trying things. I started messing around in video games, seeing what I could do. And I eventually learned that you can do a lot based on sound alone in some games. And um, I just kept playing, kept trying things, and uh, having little tiny successes here and there. Um, but eventually I did beat a game on my own, and that game was Killer Instinct for the Super Nintendo, the first Killer Instinct game. Uh, I beat the arcade mode. I remember I, I remember very specifically I beat it as Cinder, one of the uh, fighters in that game. And uh, that was the first game I ever beat without anyone's help. And it was a glorious moment, but not so much for my mom, who doesn't care about video games at all, and still doesn't to this day. And... <laughs> Uh, when I showed her the credits of the game I'd just beaten, she was like, oh, that that's great. Cool. Yay. Um, but it was still a good time. It was still a good time. And 
that's how it began. From from the moment that that game got beat, I was all in. I was just all in on games, and I've been playing games ever since then. Brandon, can you um, tell the audience for people who may not know about you and your work, kind of like your background, um, maybe your vision level and how you are able to play these games um, yep. just for people who may not be so familiar with video games and how they work. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I have total blindness. I was born with a uh, retinoblastoma, which is a cancer of the retinas and takes the eyes first. And, you know, it was either the eyes or me. So we went with the eyes. So, um, <laughs> um, so that's what I have. Total blindness. Uh, games I play entirely with sound and workarounds uh, for some games, especially modern games of today. Uh, workarounds to to make them playable. And when I say workarounds, I mean there's a lot of little things that a a, a blind gamer will do to play a game that is not designed for them to play it. And that includes things like OCR or optical character recognition to read the game text um, and finding the little tiniest workarounds that make it easier for us in any way that we can you know possibly imagine whether that be just you know a mechanic that makes something a little bit simpler um, or you know what have you there's a little there's a lot of options there'd be a lot to go into all that but essentially the 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 basic answer is sound um, we listen to what the sounds of the game are we learn what each sound means and you know what each button does and then from there we start working on how we're going to play that game you know what we need to be able to play it so it's it's uh, there's a lot of tenacity involved, but uh, it, it's mostly sound. Awesome. So, um, do you by chance like what like what got you into game consulting? Exactly. Uh, it it actually happened. It's it's actually a very I, I really really like how it happened. It's it's a uh, it's not something that I thought I would ever do uh, as a career. It really isn't. Um, but it also has been something I've been doing all my life without even realizing it. Um, when I was younger, I sent a letter to THQ, the uh, development uh, studio and publisher, uh, THQ, about their WWF SmackDown games. And uh, I said, I have some ideas about how you can make this more accessible to the blind. I, I, I love these games. I really, really love them. And I I, I, I want to play them more and I want to play them better. And I have some ideas of how you can make that accessible. And here, are, here they are. Here are my ideas. Uh, this was, uh, I, I sent this letter standard mail, by the way, this was, I, I had my mother again, doesn't care about video games, dictate this letter <laughs> and, and send it via standard mail to THQ. And I got a response. Oh yes, I did. I got a form letter from THQ back in the mail of, about a week or two later. And this form letter thanked me for my appreciation of their tremendous graphics. <laughs> wow. Yep. I wish I was kidding. <laughs> I wish I was, but I'm not. Wow. No, no, that really happened. Um, so that was the child version of the consultancy consultant that I've become. But um, and w where it really began was in 2005. And it was, this is going to be forever... For me, it's going to be an infamous comment that my fiance made back in 2005 when she noticed that I like to talk a lot about my ideas. Like, man, I wish I could play this game. Man, if I could play this game, here's how I'd play it. And one day she makes this, this offhand comment, you know, and the comment was, you should blog. My <laughs> response was, my response to this was, I don't blog. I don't, I, I can't, I have a live, this is 2005. I have a live journal. I can't keep up with a live journal. How do you expect me to blog? And uh, she, she she kept pushing and she kept pushing. And finally I decided, okay, fine. I'll start a blog. I'll write down my ideas. Apparently you think people want to hear them. Um, turns out people want to hear them. Uh, so I started writing uh, blogs every now and then. And I, at first I was really bad at it. Like as predicted, really bad at it. I only wrote a couple blogs every now and then on occasion, maybe one a year. It was really bad. But still the point is it was enough to start getting some attention from people in the game industry who were watching this sort of thing. And before you know it, in 2014, like I said, it was it took a while. In 2014, I was invited to the Game Developers Conference, GDC, to be on a panel about accessibility for the blind. Well, actually, the, well, yeah, the panel was about accessibility for kind of, you know, 
uh, different developers, mo- mostly mobile developers, uh, adding accessibility to their games. And uh, I was on the panel as the blind gamer to speak for, for that side of things. And that panel went over really, really well. Um, I met some people through that panel, including Ian Hamilton, a well-known accessibility advocate for all disability types. Um, he was on the panel as well. And I guess he saw something in me that day because I, I apparently did really well. I, I, I heard from my fellow panelists that did really well that day. And he saw something in me. And in 2017, he invited me to the Game Accessibility Conference to, to be one of, I believe it was only three speakers uh, that day. Um, no, sorry, that wasn't, there was more than three speakers that day. There was, I'm thinking of another thing. Anyway, one of, one of very few speakers that day, at the, game, the first ever Game Accessibility Conference. And I went to that. And I did my speech there, and that speech happened to be uh, in front of a lot of game development uh, uh, representatives of game development studios, including Naughty Dog, the developers of The Last of Us. Now, I knew that Naughty Dog was there. I knew that because the uh, Ian had made sure to tell us all who we were speaking to. So we knew. We all knew who was there. And I made it very clear that one of the things that I would love to do is play games like The Last of Us. I used that game specifically for that reason, because I was trying to get their attention. Um, that worked, as it turns out. Um, it got their attention. They wanted to talk to me immediately after the, my, my speech was over. We had uh, a lot of, uh, there, there was a lot of discussion during the conference. And before you notice, being invited out to LA to uh, have a meeting with them first, and then after that, the meeting developed into a full-on consultancy and really, I think that was, I think, I think the, the Game Accessibility Conference in 2017 was the moment when I knew, when I, when I realized that what I wanted to do was get their attention, and I, and I had a huge opportunity to do it, and a huge platform to do it, that I think was the moment where I knew that this is what I wanted to do for my life, like for my career. This is what I wanted was to be a consultant on video games and make accessibility a reality. And uh, you might say I, I did that, <laughs> but we'll get into that. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. And now that you, especially that you brought it up, um, let's start talking about the last of us part two, as that is seriously made a bunch of strides in accessibility, like yes, comparative and like, and the budget, and you can tell the amount of the budget that goes into those games compared to like audio games that come out. Yeah. Audio games like, developed by maybe one or two people and a game like this developed by hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a big difference. Yeah, so if you want to um, go over like what accessibility features exist in The Last of Us that makes it so accessible. Well, um, to be clear, I, I, wanna, I think it's necessary to stress, just because of you know, who our audience is, that The Last of Us 2 is accessible to the blind, but more than that. Um, we tried for basically everything we could. Um, we tried for motor impairment accessibility. We tried for vision accessibility. There are multiple subtitle sizes you can add uh, different colored backgrounds to subtitles you can it's it's insane you can you, you can have, uh, enable a zoom mode so if you're low vision you can actually zoom in on any part of the screen and the zoom mode is super intuitive you actually use the touchpad on the ps4 controller to zoom and move the zoom cursor around so you can literally pick and choose what you zoom in on which is very different from any other game that has a zoom functionality of any kind that that i that i know of anyway uh, the low vision people that I worked with have said it's the most intuitive they've ever seen. Um, for motor impairment, you have things like uh, button remapping, so you can remap the controls to whatever you like. Uh, separate controller schemes, including controller schemes based on how you hold a controller, which I think is utterly brilliant. Um, I've never seen that in any game ever before. Um, and wow. yeah, and so on. yeah, it's, it's 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 crazy the amount of things that exist. And then uh, for the totally blind, is the, which is the thing... By the way, I, I want to throw a number out here uh, because I, I'm not going to be able to list every accessibility option because The Last of Us Part Two has over 60 accessibility options in its wow. accessibility menu. 60-plus options. That's a lot. It's What does it not have? That's the real Right. The, the list of that is shorter. The, the list of what it doesn't have is shorter. Um but yeah, so when it comes to the totally blind, though, which is where I, I specialize, um, it has almost, almost everything you can want. It has text-to-speech, and I mean full text-to-speech that is on 
when you turn on the game for the first time, if you're in the U.S. Unfortunately, outside the U.S., it can't uh, be on automatically because um, the PS4 doesn't have text-to-speech functionality on its own outside the U.S. The game still has it. The the text-to-speech the game uses is native to the game. But the PS4 itself, outside the U.S., does not have text-to-speech functionality. So in those cases, it's still easy to turn on. The game starts, you press the down arrow once, and it'll actually say you're on the text-to-speech option. It'll it'll narrate the text-to-speech option even if that option is off. So if you press the down arrow once, you'll hear text-to-speech off. Hit right arrow, and it turn, you turn it on. And there, there you go. Full text-to-speech in the entire game. So that that covers everything. Every tooltip in the options menu, every single option, um, every note that you can pick up during the game, every bit of lore, every text, every world text. Like if there's something written on a wall, you can read it with text-to-speech. Um, every little thing the pause menu the the save menu everything is covered by text-to-speech any text element text-to-speech will read to you so full text-to-speech the fullest in any game ever uh a complete audio cue system so there's cues for just about everything you can think of there's cues for uh moving to your next waypoint towards your objective there's cues for tracking an item there's cues for tracking an enemy there's cues for when you have to dodge an enemy's attack there's cues for when you've killed an enemy with a gun or a stealth kill or everything like that, there's cues for when you have to jump. There's cues for when you have to crawl. There's cues for when you have to crouch. There's cues for when you have to squeeze through a gap. There's cues for when you have to press triangle to perform an action uh, with a, you know a, an action prompt. Uh, there's cues for quick time events. There's cues for melee attacks. Uh, it's it's on and on and on and on and on. It's uh, it's very 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 comprehensive. And because it's so comprehensive, the audio cues. Uh, this is an initial feature. The audio cues uh, come with an audio cue glossary. So a lot of audio games have the learn game sounds menu. This is a full audio glossary just like that, where you can go, you can just browse the list of all the available audio cues and play them and hear what they're for and when they were, when, when uh, you'll hear them in context. Um, so you have that. You have uh, navigation assistance, which allows you to uh, navigate to your uh, objective or to any item you've tracked with a or item or enemy you, you're tracking with a feature called enhanced listen mode. So that they're, they're, these are features that go together. If you just have navigation assistance on, you can only use it to navigate to your objective. But if you have both navigation assistance and listen mode active, you can use listen mode uh, basically by you hold R1 on the PlayStation controller and you can press circle to scan for items in the area and square to scan for enemies. So if you press circle to scan for items and you hear a little ping that uh, comes back at you, that means there are items in the area. You can hear a bunch of pings. If there's a lot of items, you'll hear a bunch of pings everywhere. Um, but it'll it'll focus on the closest one. And then from then on, you can press R1 and then L3, the tracking button, to track the item that you're scanning for. So you can track the, the pathway to the story, but you can also track all the loot you can find, too. The items, everything like that can be tracked as well. Um, you have uh, traversal assistance, which is more valuable than it sounds like it might be. Traversal assistance is to make movement through a giant 3D world, a giant 3D environment, a little bit easier for the blind. It will do some things automatically for you and in little subtle ways sometimes too. So for instance, um, if there's something that you can jump on or jump over to get to your destination, it'll usually automatically do that for you. Um, so, so you can basically try to move as the crow flies. You can try to move straight towards the thing you're tracking if you want. And it should push you around things and navigate you through the area relatively well. Sometimes it does get stuck, but you know it's we're not asking for perfection here. We're asking for accessibility, and we definitely got that. But anyway, um, it helps you in, in a lot of little ways. Um, for instance, moving through, so you can you can break windows in this game to get into buildings, and doing that as a sighted person is a very precision thing. You have to face the building at the on the on the exact correct angle after you break the window to tell the game, yes, I really do want to go through this window. For us. Uh, we'll, we'll break the window and then we'll get a prompt that will tell us, okay, this is a jump prompt. So we press X to jump and what the game does subtly, um, blind people mostly don't even notice this, but the game will subtly, if you have traversal assistance on adjust the angle. So it's correct. And then jump through the window. Most, most blind people don't even notice that's happening, but it, it does. Um, there's a lot of little things that they thought of just to be thoughtful, um, and things like that. Um, to make this uh, much more much more doable, and those are those are kind of the main features that that uh, doesn't even get into other things like enhanced dodge, combat accessibility, 
Um, you know, I could go on and on and on. There's just so much. There really is so much. Even our cat is like, man, there's a lot of accessibility features in this game. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I love the background commentary. Yes. Um, that's really cool. So just for people like me who is a complete novice to video games, sure. um, The Last of Us Part Two is only for the PS4, correct? It's That is correct. Okay. That is correct. It's only for the PS4, but I, I do want to I, I want to bring this up because I, I've seen a lot. Well, not a lot. I've seen some of the blind community um, respond to this by saying, "Sure, yeah, this is really great." Except it's only for PS4, and I don't have a PS4. To that, I respond with this. Um, it, first of all, I wish I could give you a PS4. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I am the kind of person I want everyone to play this game. I really do. I, I really I really believe that. Um, I believe in the work that I've done and I believe this is a milestone in accessibility and uh, I think everyone should experience it. So if I could give people PS4s, I would. Um, that said, I, it's unfortunate you don't have one and yeah, I get you, I get you. Um, but on the, other, on the other side of that coin, you have to realize that because this happened, this isn't just like a landmark in the accessibility landscape for PS4, okay? This is a landmark in accessibility, period. Um, developers are going to, developers are gamers too. And The Last of Us 2 sold over 4 million copies in its first like three days. Developers, I guarantee you, yeah, developers, I guarantee you, are among the people that bought copies of this game because developers play games as well. So these these accessibility features that we have built are being seen. They are in the hands of developers who are, who will then develop games knowing about these features, knowing they exist. This is going to change the gaming landscape. It might take a couple years because games take a long time to develop these days because they're big budget monstrous things, but it is going to change the gaming landscape for everyone. So even though this game is only for PS4, I guarantee you some Xbox developers are playing it and some Xbox developers out there, some PC developers are saying, man, these these accessibility features are pretty cool. Uh, Maybe we can do something like this. Looks like, you know, it turns out that blind accessibility is possible. This game did it. Maybe we can do it. I guarantee you that's going to happen. Yeah, that's it's super awesome now that we can basically have our own sort of console war. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Based on accessibility. Like. Yeah, pretty much. I like it. Yeah. Another thing, too, uh, another thing too that I like, I, I love to say this, so I'm going to bring it up here, too. Um, Naughty Dog has made it very clear that these features that they have made for this game are now part of their engine. Part of their engine. So, one thing I love to tell blind people is this. Finally, blind people, for the first time, when you hear a trailer for a new Naughty Dog game going forward from now, you already know that you'll be able to play it. That's where we are now. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's super awesome. So, like, if they ever make some sort of like Uncharted or just any other games that they make, like that, that'll be awesome. If they ever have a reason to remaster their older games for their for their new uh, current version of their engine, I bet they will add those features in. Right now, it's it's not very reasonable to expect them to do that to patch an yeah. old game for it. But if they ever remaster them, maybe in the future, you know, you know, PS Six, I don't know. <laughs> if they ever if they ever do that, then then uh, you know, there you go. They could add those features in. But I'm thinking of new IPs, too. Just imagine, Naughty Dog is a studio that focuses on narrative, on story, on character development. Imagine the stories that are going to come out that they're going to make, and we're going to be able to play them all going forward. Yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. It's, yeah. yeah. And thank you, for, thank you for doing this again, because, like, it's super amazing what you have been able, what y'all have been able to accomplish with getting all of the, getting noticed and being able to work and have like naughty dog like consult and it's awesome it's super awesome it's it's something that it's something that i i can you know it's going to be a point of pride for me for the rest of my life it's something that i i you know no one can take away from me the fact that i am a large part of why the first ever triple a game to be fully accessible to the blind is indeed fully accessible to the blind I am a large part of the reason why that is. And that's, that's something to, I think, you know, wear with pride 
And I, I, I will. I will. Believe me. I need agree to get with a that. shirt or something. <laughs> More than that. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the t-shirts. <laughs> um, I just want to go back to your point about, you know, developers seeing this and following suit. And I think that's really important um, to kind of like break ground in this arena so like i feel like sometimes a lot of people especially in the cited community they're afraid to do something because they say well it's never been done before i don't know if it's if it's possible but now that it's you know you've shown you and um naughty dog um i've shown that it's possible i guess what um what kind of things would you tell developers to kind of focus on in their own games so that they're not, you know, just kind of thinking of us as like a um, side, like a margin community that they need to serve to kind of like patch over a game, but build accessibility in from the ground up. Well, I'd say, look at the publicity this has gotten. Um, you know, if, if you want proof that accessibility can, can bring success, just look at all, just look around, look at the fact that accessibility of the last of two was featured on uh, the BBC was featured on um, NBC or not, not NBC CNN, I believe. Yeah, um, it was CNN has been everywhere. I mean, USA Today as well. I was in that article too. Uh, USA Today featured it as well. So it's it's working. Like the accessibility of this game is getting them press. It's getting them noticed. It's getting them, you know, more probably more sales. In fact, I can guarantee you more sales. Like I may not be able to give a PS4 to everyone, but I do know people that have bought PS4s just because this game is accessible to them. So. <laughs> I mean, this it's it's working, and I, I would just say look around at that, and then when you're when you're approaching it for your own game, don't necessarily try to copy them. Don't do the same things. I, I say I say every game should have its own approach to accessibility, but look at what they accomplished, look at what they achieved, look at how they worked around this and that and this, and looked at how they provided the information that we needed, and then you know make it your own, do it your own way. There's more than one solution to accessibility, um, and I think uh, that's that's what I would tell developers, but. That said, I would still use The Last of Us 2 as the example now. Like before now, before before today, or before this game was released, I had to come up with different examples of other games that I could use to demonstrate concepts that I that I wanted to show off. Now I can just show off The Last of Us 2 and be like, look, uh, here it is. This is how you do it. This is one way to do it. Uh, let's let's do this. Let's make something happen here. Awesome. And, and like, are there any the- benefits to, um, I guess, blind and visually impaired people to playing video games? Because I'm sure there are people out there who are like, well, it's really visual and maybe I have these accessibility features like text-to-speech, but it's still not the full experience. Um, I guess, like, what would you say to that? I would, I would say, uh, first of all, there, there, certainly there are a lot of visual elements, even in this game. Last of Us Part Two, of course, is, is a big, sprawling open world. Well, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's actually not technically an open world. It's, it's considered wide linear. It's a, it's a large world, but it's not an open world. Um, but it's, it's pretty big in compared to a lot of audio games those people might have played before. Um, and there are a lot of cutscenes. There's a lot of storytelling, a lot of visual elements there. That's true. But a couple things to consider. First of all, the audio design of this game is stellar. The performance captures uh, in this game are phenomenal. Uh, they, they captured um, movements and voice at the same time to get an actual experience of an actor where you know, we're portraying this in a movie. Um, so if you've ever watched a movie without audio description and taken from that movie uh, the, the story in you know, what, what context you could, you will have that experience and um, you will be able to get a lot of the story here because again, the sound design is really great. Um, There's plenty of dialogue, plenty, plenty of dialogue. You will still understand the story. Uh, The notes that you read too, they're part of the story too. The notes you can find on the, on the ground, pick them up and, you know, in drawers and things like that and read them. Those are part of the story too. You'll, you'll get those in text to speech. Now, audio description I know is, is a big concern with this game right now. And I can't, I can't necessarily guarantee that that's going to be implemented. Um, but I will say this, the people that would like to see audio description in the game are submitting 
feedback and they're they're and Naughty Dog has already been has made it very clear that they're willing to accept feedback about the game um, and about the accessibility features of the game because they even now they're still willing to support the game and improve it if they can. Um, so as good as it is, they, they still want to improve it, which is really cool of them. Um, but even you know even so, the conversation being about the Last of Us Part Two and the accessibility of the game more people than just Naughty Dog are looking at the feedback that this game is getting. Because, again, they're going to want to make their own versions of this and make it happen. So even if even if audio description doesn't make it into this game, uh, I guarantee you developers are paying attention to the fact that this game is getting a lot of requests for it. And probably down the line, some game will have audio description, and then future games will have it, and then you'll start to see it more and more often. And, you know, pretty soon, I think, um, you'll probably be able to get the full experience just like a sighted person would a fully audio described game. It might not be this one, you know, again, they were, they're willing to work on it. They're willing to improve. So I'm not going to say no, but it might not be this one, but I think it will definitely happen. This game, as far as this game goes, you can still appreciate a lot of the story. You can still understand a lot of the story, the the sound design. I mean, look, there's a, there's a guy in this game during a cutscene that eats an apple. And I knew he was eating an apple because it sounded like he was eating an apple. You know, it's just, wow. I, I, it's, it sounds like a little thing, but I'm, I'm just letting you guys know, sound design spot on. If, especially if you have surround sound headphones, the environmental audio, the, the sounds of, of enemies behind you and all around you, and even, even just regular people behind you, all around you, whatever. It's, it's immersing. It, it's still, you can still be gripped by this game. I promise you that. Oh, and, and actually, the surround sound brings me to a good point. Like, you don't have to, you won't have to get just a PS4 to play this game. Like, you, you'll be able to get a PS5 to play this game as well. Yes, that right. is true. Which that has is correct. 3D audio in. in yes. In so if you if you choose to wait for the PS5, that is a actually that is perfectly a perfectly logical decision to make because Naughty Dog has actually already confirmed, which is really nice of them to have confirmed this in advance, that The Last of Us Part Two, which is a PS4 game, will automatically work on the ps5 at launch uh when the ps5 comes out so if you don't have a ps4 and you just prefer to wait till the ps5 comes out you can do that and yes as you mentioned the ps5 does have built-in uh system-wide 3d audio now i don't know if last of part 2 being a ps4 game originally i don't know if it will support the 3d audio to the fullest but i know they intend to make games that don't support 3d audio just use uh virtualized surround sound so you should still get the surround sound experience that, that currently exists on PS4 by plugging in earphones to your PS5 controller if you choose to wait for that. Ah, okay. That makes sense. And is the PS5 coming out soon? It is coming out the holiday of this year. So yes, it is coming out relatively soon. They don't have they don't haven't given us an, an exact release date yet, but we're thinking probably November, December of this year. Okay. Put it on your Christmas lists. There you go. Yeah, I want a PS5 and Last of Us Part 2. There you See go. It. Uh-huh. I'll put it on my Christmas list. <laughs> yeah, do it. My Santa will be nice to me. Yeah. Um, I know cost of developing games is pretty astronomical these days. It is. Um, and I know costs for you know d- different accessibility features. Um, it's kind of like a sticking point for a lot of developers. Did you find that um, more money had to be spent to develop these accessibility features or not really because well, they were built from the ground up? I, I will say a couple things to that. First of all, I, I will say that um, the, they, the, the money side of it, the budgeting side of it, was something that I did not have to concern myself with. <laughs> that yeah. was handled by other people above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> but that said, um, I can guarantee you that uh, based on previous experience with you know other things and 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 even even this game just the way we we you know handled this game mm-hmm. it is definitely far more expensive and costly in terms of money and time and development time and development resources to try to patch in accessibility than it is to develop it from the ground up if you if you go into it from a mindset of we want this game to be accessible to as many people as possible from the beginning Mm-hmm. then the design principles will be based around that idea and the programming will be based around it. The coding will be all based around that from the beginning. And so ultimately doing it right away will cost you a lot less. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot. Of, that definitely yeah. makes a lot of sense because you don't have to just work around already built things. You can build them in as you go. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying like 
some developers certainly have worked to patch in accessibility, but they did it at a tremendous cost to themselves of time and money and everything. So um, those, those developers are great. But uh, the best strategy is to just go in saying, you know, I want people to play my game. Let's make it accessible to them. Yeah. And um, before we move on to Q&A, um, I just want you to touch upon what you did with Twitch this year with their Global Accessibility Day. I thought that was pretty cool. If you can talk a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, um, yeah, sure, I can. Uh, so Twitch, actually, I've, it's, it's funny. If you, if you just left it as what you've done with Twitch this year, it'd be a much broader question because I've done a lot okay. with Twitch this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it was, more than just, it was more than just Global Accessibility Awareness Day. This, this kind of started, if, if you don't mind me going off on a tangent for a little bit, this no. actually started... No, that's totally fine. So, so this started with a blog post that I wrote. Um, this was when Twitch was about to release a brand new version of their Twitch dashboard for uh, the streamers out there who use Twitch. And I... Uh, they had a preview option, and I was like, "Okay, I'll check it out. I'll see if uh, I'll see if this, uh, you know, see if there's any problems. See if it's, you know, if there's any issues accessibility wise." And I checked out the preview, and the preview was terrible. Um, <laughs> I oh. could, I could no longer edit my own info on my stream. I could no longer do that in in the preview, and it was awful. And I was, I was like, "Well, this is not good. This is." Uh, this is a huge problem. I need to be able to edit my, my info because they actually, so Twitch is, is a little bit strict on uh, making sure you're, you're in the correct directory for searches and things. So the game you're playing has to be correct in your stream info because that puts you in the directory for the search for that game. So oh, okay. if, I, if I couldn't edit the info, that was going to cause some problems with my stream and may actually get me in trouble with Twitch. So... I was in a situation where I had to consider and I almost, I, I was, I hated to consider it, but I was, I was, I was in the place where I had to, I had to consider leaving Twitch. Um, and at the time Mixer was still around RIP Mixer. Um, so at the time I was going to move to Mixer because the thing is I already knew uh, Mixer staff because I'd worked with them before. One of the, 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 uh, the current, well, I shouldn't even say current, the Mixer accessibility lead, is one of the two people that organizes the game accessibility conference every year. So I already knew her. I already had a great rapport with her and I knew that she'd work with me on the issues that I had with Mixer. So I was about to jump to Mixer, but before I did, I decided I needed to write about it. And so I wrote a blog post about my concerns and my current issues with Twitch and uh, all that. And I shared it after I wrote it and it was immediately shared among Twitch's staff, who uh, then invited me onto a conference call with like a lot of big executives at Twitch. And they said, we messed up. <laughs> we apologize. Can you, would you be willing to help us fix this? And I agreed. And I have since helped them improve Twitch accessibility, often on, you know, just kind of They'll ask me questions. They'll ask me to check something out every now and then. And I'll help them. Uh, you know, I'll give them the accessibility rundown of it. And uh, yeah, I've, I've helped them out ever since. And that helping them out with that is what got me on the uh, you know in, in the idea box for uh, in the uh, the Global Accessibility Awareness Day event, which Twitch did this year, where they featured a bunch of disabled streamers uh, during Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And because I'd helped them so much, they invited me to be one of those streamers they were going to feature. Because they could have picked a lot of people, but I'm, I'm again, they, and they did pick some good people, but I'm so happy they picked me too. So I did a stream at my regular time that day. And for one hour of my stream, I was featured on the front page of Twitch. So everyone who went to the front page of Twitch for any reason would see my stream in their in the little carousel that appears on the front page. So that was a big day. That was a big day because uh, some very, very kind soul uh, did what's called a raid, where they send their viewers to your channel, and they sent three thousand eight hundred people to my channel that day. Uh, wow. It was it was a monstrous day for me, and it was it was a lot. There was a lot of um, really good discussion and really good talk about accessibility that day. People learned a lot. I got a lot of followers that day. It was a wonderful, yeah, wonderful was, stream. There was there were a lot of followers. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I had to turn off my notifications because the followers just wouldn't stop. <laughs> It was great. It was no. It was really a great, great stream, and I'll, I'll always remember it for being, you know, the the wonderful, uh, helpful stream to me that it was. Um, 
And, you know, I still, I, you know, it, that, that day improved my average uh, on Twitch. My numbers on Twitch have not been the same ever since because I got so many new followers that day, so many interested people. And uh, it was just a wonderful day. And I was, I was also in their, uh, I was also their global disability awareness day video that they did too, um, that Twitch put together. So, you know, I, I was, I was very noticed that day. And it was really, really cool. Fun times. It's really awesome. great that it was, um, you know, a blind gamer was featured yeah. so prominently. Because um, I feel like a lot of people are just like, well, you're blind. You can't play video games, period. I showed them that day. Yep. <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't even playing Last of Us. You're pl- no, I was playing. Uh, no, the Last of Us was not out yet. That's, right. that's one of the coolest things about that day is that no one even knew what I had been working on yet. Uh, I was playing Animal Crossing that day. <laughs> no one had any idea that I was working on The Last of Part 2 that day. And, I, and it still turned out as good as it did. So, you know, can't complain. Right. Okay. Well, thanks, Brandon. Um, I'm going to open it up to Q&A for the next 20 minutes. So, Tyson, um, if you can let us know. Let's have hands raised. Okay. okay. All right. So, if you... If you are on a PC, it is uh, it's an Alt Y. If you are on a Mac, it is Option Y. If you are on dialing in through your phone, it is Star Nine. If you are uh, on your Zoom app on the phone, there's a big uh, hand in there that says "Raise my hand," and we're <laughs> starting to get hands already. Woo. Bring it on. Okay, and our first one is Wes. You should have something on your screen to unmute. Yes. Uh, could you please spell Lustus, please? Oh, spell it? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's The Last of Us Part 2. So it's T-H-E space L-A-S-T space O-F space U-S and then Part 2, if you want to look for that, that specific game. Okay. And also, the, the Last of Us Part 1, does that have the same accessibility features? It does not, unfortunately. So The Last of Us Part 1 came out way back in 2013. And accessibility was not in the conversation at that point. So unfortunately, no, it does not. However, uh, there are some really great recaps that I've been recommending to people that uh, have not been able to experience The Last of Us Part 1. I've been recommending a couple of things. There's, there's a couple of uh, replays you can watch on YouTube. You can either watch someone play through the entire story for you or... You can get a really, really good story recap that just is, is just enough to prepare you for the, the second game. There's one particular guy that I've recommended on YouTube called The Patient Wolf. And you can look him up as the, uh, the Patient Wolf on YouTube. And if you find him, he has two things. He has both of those things. He has a playlist that you can watch, which is a full playthrough of the first game. And he also has a one of the best story recaps of the first game that I've ever seen. And I actually made a point of this when I was working on the game, I said, I know that people are going to come to this game having not experienced the first game because they can't. So I need to find a good story recap. And his is the best one I've found. So the patient wolf on YouTube, he's the guy to go to. Okay. Hey, thank you very much. You're very right. welcome. Thanks, Wes. And Chris, you're up next. You should be able to talk. Hello. How you doing, uh, Brandon? Uh, great presentation. A uh, huge gamer fan. Um, I know this may be an interesting question. I, I'm more into sports, so to be honest with you, do you, have you heard anything in the gaming world about uh, Madden 2020 being accessible or, or any sports games trying to get some accessibility features with the rumble pack and vibrations and, and various other menu options of that sort? Yeah, so Madden 20 is uh, already has a lot of accessibility features implanted into it. Um, that is the one that's currently out right now. Madden 21 is about to come out. And I don't know the accessibility status of Madden 21 because I'm not personally working on it. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that EA, the company that develops the Madden games, has an accessibility lead named Karen Stevens. And she is the one that initiated the accessibility of Madden 19 and Madden 20. Madden 20 has menu narration. It's not full narration. There's some menus that don't narrate. Um, but it does have menu narration. It does have uh, additional vibration features to help you out and, and uh, you know tell you certain things like, when a pass is being thrown, or if the play is a running play or a passing play, it can tell you things like that. Um, and some assistance features too, uh, to make it so you move automatically towards the ball if you're on defense, so you can try to get the ball away from, from the offense, so on and so forth. Um, it's not what I would call full accessibility, but it is the, the, a good first step for EA. 
And I know that she cares a lot about accessibility and will be continuing to fight for adding it to more and more games and probably improving it as well. So I would expect, even though I don't know for sure and I can't 100% confirm this, I would expect to see pretty good accessibility in Madden 21. I think at, at the very least, the game will probably have full narration, whereas Madden 20 had some narration. I think this one will probably have full. Well, thank you very much for your work. Uh, great job. Keep up the yeah. great work. Thank you. I, I definitely will. No stop anytime soon for me. Trust me on that. Thanks, Chris. And we have Carrie with your question next. Yes. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, good. Hi, hi everybody. Hi, Brandon. Um, thank you so much for this presentation. I'm sort of getting into, I'm, I've been getting into games a lot over the pandemic, especially MUDs and things like that. But it seems like everybody on my Twitter feed is playing Animal Crossing. And I Fair was enough. wondering how you managed to play that as a totally blind person. Yeah, so Animal Crossing is a, is a very interesting beast because it is accidentally accessible in probably the best way that I've ever seen. Huh. Uh, first of all, there's a couple of different factors to this. So one of them is OCR, optical character recognition. You probably heard of it. It's basically uh, scanning the text of the game, that basically pulling, pulling text from the video image of the game and presenting it to you in a readable format. We can use that to read all the character dialogue in the game. There's a lot of dialogue in that game. Uh, it's all written down in text. It's not spoken to you. It's written down. So you have to read all of it. But we can use OCR to read it. And we can use OCR to read our inventory menu, uh, menus in the shops, things like that. Any menu that, uh, that we need, we can read with that. Then the other factor is that the game has tremendous sound design. And I'm talking really tremendous. I actually recently uh, published a blog for a website called Audio Kinetic. Um, and that blog was all about Animal Crossing and its tremendous sound design. Let me give you a couple examples here. Um, in most games, when you hear the sound of wind through the trees, it is just a background sound that is just something that, that plays while you're in that environment. Maybe you're just in a forest environment, and that just plays in the background. Not in Animal Crossing. If you hear wind through the trees, you're hearing that wind from where the trees actually are on your island. Wow. So if you're looking for your tree to either you know, chop some, chop some wood or shake some fruit out of it, you can just follow the sound of the wind coming, coming through the trees and you can you know, do whatever you need to do with that tree. Um, and the, the stereo panning in Animal Crossing, the, the, the way the sounds play in, in, in the proper stereo channels is tremendous. You can, um, for instance, when I shake a tree, I know if the fruit that, that falls from that tree fell on the same side of the tree that I'm on or the other side, based on how it sounds in the stereo field. You can hear things hitting the ground. And that's, don't even get me started on rain. Uh, rain in Animal Crossing actually makes things easier for the blind because you can actually hear rain bouncing off of things. And uh, the entire, uh, all the terrain sounds change to reflect that it's raining. And the sound of things falling to the ground changes to reflect that it's raining. And you can hear rain bouncing off the roof of, of your house and other houses on the island. It's, I, I can't even, that's, that's only some of the things. That's really cool. The, the sound design is spot on. That, that's what people are playing. It's, it's, it's a combination of OCR and tremendous sound design. Nice. And for the OCR, do you just like stick your phone up to the to the switch and just do and you can. it that way? You can. That is an option. I prefer the way that I'm doing it because it's it's a lot. Um, if you have if you have this ability, it's a lot faster than mm -hmm. using your phone. I'm using a capture card, um, wow. which I use anyway for streaming. But what I do is I, I open the game capture software, which sends the video from the capture card and thus from the game to my computer, and then I'm using the OCR built into NVDA to scan that window and just pull the text from that window. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Good to know. Thank you very much. Do you know um, if there's any, um, do you know if Nintendo's working on any um, accessibility for future versions of the switch? Cause I cannot, I cannot confirm that Nintendo is, is notoriously the hardest ones for us to reach. Um, mm. They, they, the accessibility in animal crossing is very much accidental. They do not have, big accessibility plans from what i've known the the biggest things they've done have been uh narrated chat so if you're if you're uh, in some certain games a couple of nintendo games have uh where if someone sends you a, a text chat in the game specifically in the game it'll be narrated to you but that's the mo that's the furthest i've seen them go okay all right well good thank you very much thank you carrie and phone number ending in five one nine five Hi, um, thank you for your presentation. Um, my name is Sue Ellen. Hey, you're welcome. What I'm wondering is, um, 
Now, is uh, what sort of um, accommodate? What sort of accessibility features are being, um, or are there any being put into games for people who are blind and hard of hearing? I know you mentioned that with blindness, the big positive is the sound thing, but I know I've tried to play some sports-type video games, and my problem has often been that I can't tell from which direction the um, ball is coming or the um, whatever it is that I'm playing is coming from to respond to it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good question. Um, there's a couple answers I have to that, uh, the first of which is, this game does have some, uh, the last of two specifically does have some vibration cues as well. Um, so the controller will vibrate in circum certain circumstances. For instance, um, you can set it to vibrate when you have to dodge an attack. So you know that if an enemy is trying to strike you with a melee attack, that uh, when you feel that particular vibration, you know, to press the dodge button and so on and so forth. Um, that is, that is uh, going to be part of it. Um, if you're hard of hearing, you can still use the navigation assistance because that, that literally walks you to, uh, it helps you basically. It it, uh, it helps you traverse your way to the next item or to the next story uh, moment or, or you know what have you. That said, I will admit that um, there are still issues. I, I've, I've encountered a few with a few of my friends that do have trouble if they are both blind and hard of hearing. Because I, I I will fully admit this game is very reliant if you're blind on its sound cues. Um, you know, you know, uh, you know. I'm, I'm pointing out that there are some vibration cues, and that's good. But yes, this game is very reliant on its sound cues. I will, I will fully admit that. And some of them are, I have learned, if you're blind and hard of hearing, difficult to differentiate. So what I'm trying to do to offset that a little bit is I'm trying to suggest to because I, I can still, you know, I can still present feedback to these guys. I'm still very much in with Naughty Dog, and um, cool. so I'm trying to suggest that maybe some of the uh, sound cues be changed in terms of either tone or pitch or just even the whole thing in some cases to make them easier to differentiate. Um, but yes, I will admit that it is currently a problem. There are a lot of issues. There are a lot of um, accessibility features for hard appearing people, but not accessibility issues that you could really combine if you're both blind and hard appearing. Um, and uh, that's it is it is in a sense, kind of an oversight, but at the same time, um, I can only, I can only promise that I'll try to do what I can and know that any feedback that's presented will be, you know, taken in by these guys. These guys are very, very interested in feedback. So if you do end up trying it at some point and it is a problem, definitely let them know what the problem points are. And I guarantee you, they will at least consider if they, if they can't, if they can't make it in this game, they'll, they'll keep it in mind for future games. They're, they're willing to iterate on their engine and their accessibility features all throughout. So Definitely, I know. I know that's. I know that's a bit of a pain point, but uh, but yeah, that's it's it's a consideration that I'm trying to make as best I can. Okay. okay. Thank you. And uh, phone number ending in seven seven three zero. Yes. Hi. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank you for your speech. This has been really inspiring. Um, thank you. So. I have a question about it not necessarily pertaining to games, but I have cerebral palsy on my left side, which affects the way I hold a controller. And some games are a little uh, 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 harder to play in that sense. Um, I was wondering, do you know if there are any specialized like one-handed controllers that are being made uh for for games um that would make it easier well yes for people um, in a sense yeah sure in a sense in a sense there kind of are uh for the ps4 specifically unfortunately there aren't really unless you buy an adapter um but i can tell you one of the best things one of the greatest inventions of accessibility of, of this age is the xbox adaptive controller now i will admit Last of Us 2 is not available on Xbox. So um, mm. to, use, to use this controller on the PS4, you still can technically, but they're, they're, you have to buy an adapter for the controller to make it work. But it's one of the greatest things because it allows for the implementation of any kind of switch that anyone with motor impairments needs to use. So you can basically turn it into a one-handed okay. controller by implementing whatever kinds of switches you can use. You, know, you, can, you can plug pedals into this thing. You can plug uh, buttons you can press with your head into this thing 
um, there's all sorts of different switches and ideas they came up with that all can be connected mm-hmm. to this, this adaptive controller to make it work however you need it to work. Okay. Do you do you know the name of the like uh, it is name and the brand? It is it is literally called the Xbox Adaptive Controller or SAC or XAC for short. Okay. I'll take a look into that. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely take a look into that. Yeah. Thank you. Right. And next we have Reg. Correct. Yeah. From uh, Washington State. And uh, thanks for being here. I know you're here primarily uh, speaking for Naughty Dog, and, and I'm not a, a huge gamer, but uh, I, I wondered, you know, when uh, just kind of about what equipment you use in your home setup you know, when you're testing these games and uh i was thinking about the battle days when you had to come up with accidental accessibility in other games yeah. to to tell people about i, I remembered a game called silent steel that oh, came I on game. four dvds and it was oh, yeah, interactive I yeah i love that game because the captain you could just up and down arrow and you would yep you could choose what orders the captains were going to give. And it was like 30 different interactive endings um, in in that game. But uh, um, yeah, I just wondered uh, uh, about uh, yeah, if you had remembered that and uh, if there are games now for iPhone and, and PC that you're really liking the directions that they're going. Well, yeah. Um, so I do, I do remember the old days, uh, and accidental, accidental accessibility is still very much a thing. In fact, when I first got involved with The Last of Us Part Two, the examples that I had to give to demonstrate concepts uh, that uh, you know these people would end up using in their game would uh, often come from accidental accessibility features. For instance, I showed them the trick with Resident Evil 6 that would move you closer to your objective as you hold down the map button which, you know, you're not designed to play that way. You're not designed to, the game is not designed so you hold the map button the whole time. But yeah. it works. And so that, that feature, cool. the feature that I showed them is responsible for having, uh, now because of that, we have the navigation assistance that I just mentioned earlier. It works mm-hmm. almost the same way as the Resident Evil 6 thing that wasn't designed to work that way, but this is actually designed to help you out designed to work this way. So, yeah. So literally, a lot of the things that I came up with were inspired by accidental accessibility or so in some cases audio games um you know I, I gave them a lot of examples of different things to work from so so yeah that, that stuff factored in very heavily into, into the, the creation of this and um in terms of where things are going i think there are some games that are going ex- you know in, in a very good direction I'm, I'm looking forward to games like the veil which i really wish we had a release date for because it's supposed to come out last year and it's still not out yet but I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's going to be a really great audio game. And it might not be like a triple A monster like The Last of Us Part 2, but I think it's going to be pretty good. Maybe the biggest audio game that we've ever seen, I think. I hope. I don't know. Maybe. All right. Thank you, Reg. Candace, we're up next. And I just want to say this is going to have to be our last question. And then afterwards, Brandon can give his information um, if you have further questions for him. Yeah, that's what I was about to say as well. Sure. Okay, Candice, you should be able to unmute. Thank you, Tyson. Thank you, Brandon, for a wonderful yep. presentation. I'm just, I'll make this brief because I know we're short on time. Just a quick comment and a question. Um, I'm totally blind, and I also have mild cerebral palsy. Um, I started playing Nintendo back when I was uh, about probably 12, and I just played Mario Brothers by the sound, and I played it on my own a couple times. And when I played it in front of somebody sighted, they were like, wow, you, you can really play this? They're like, yeah, yeah. You're, on, you're on level such and such. And now the funny thing is, Brandon, I don't even know where my Nintendo is. It's probably in a box <laughs> somewhere. I haven't played it in years. Um, but my question is real quick. If I were to purchase a PS4, um, is the accessibility process uh, simple to set up? Well, here's the thing. So PS4 on the system level is more difficult to set up than the Xbox is. I hate to say it, but it's, I'm, 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 I always want to be honest about these things because I want people to know what they're getting into. So yes, on the system level, it's more difficult. 
I would say that you will need sighted assistance for the initial setup of the system, uh, which will be like setting the time and you know the date and things like that, Little, and, and setting up your, your uh, PlayStation Online account. You can set up your account on the website, and that part is, is accessible, but logging into it on your PS4 once it's set up is not fully accessible because uh, you do that in initial setup. Um, once you've done that, though, once the initial setup process is over, then you can enable text-to-speech on the system, and that will read you most but not all things. And it will read uh, all your games that you have. If you have, if you have a library of games, it will read uh, all of those to you, so you can get to those easily enough. It will read some system settings for you. It'll read you uh, in the quick menus. You can, you can see what trophies you have. It'll read that. It'll read your party uh, menu, so you can, you can uh, connect with friends and things like that. It'll read those menus to you. Uh, it'll read your messages and notifications to you. Um, but there are certain things that it won't read. There are certain uh, sections of the settings it won't read. Um, you can't really use the web browser to great effect. Um, things and I know like that. You, can also, you can also voice chat with it, right? Yes, you can, you can start a party chat. That, doing that is fully accessible. So if you, if you have a friend that also has a PS4, you can connect to them over, their, over your PS4s and, and start a party chat that way. So yes, that's fully okay. accessible. Thank you. Yep. Candice, um, and thanks so much, Brandon, for this presentation. Could you give out your contact information and where other pe- uh, people can find you? Yep, um, I will gladly do that. I'd be, I'd be more than happy to do it because I have a lot to, lot to uh, throw out here. So <laughs> a lot of places you can find me. If you want to find me on Twitter, just follow at SuperBlindMan. And in fact, I'm SuperBlindMan in most places. So if you'd uh, like to watch my uh, extensive archive of YouTube videos, you can do that at YouTube.com slash SuperBlindMan. If, uh, and that, by the way, that includes leftless 2 footage, which I'm still uploading to as, as we stream it. We're doing a live stream um, of the game as I play through it. And uh, so all that stuff is being archived on YouTube as well. And speaking of live streams, if you'd like to follow me on Twitch, if you'd like to catch a live stream one day, you're more than welcome. My Twitch is www.twitch.tv slash superblindman. Um, if any of you do get PS4s to try this out, or PS4s for any reason at all, you can find me on PS4, on the PlayStation Network, as Super Blind Man. And um, let's see. Uh, you can also, by the way, I, I'll even open up my email. So if you guys want to email me, if you have questions and you, and you don't feel comfortable with Twitter, or you just want to send an email, that's fine too. Superblindman01 at gmail.com if you'd like to send me an email. I'm happy to answer questions anytime. Just throw them all my way and you'll get answers to them. It might take me a little while. because I've been pretty busy the last few weeks, but uh, I will definitely get to them when I can. Um, also, my website, if you'd like to read my blogs and uh, learn more about me and see my media page or whatever, whatever your reasons, is brandoncole.net. And lastly, I would like to promote a, a um, kind of a, what's the word? An initiative that myself and my fiance began that we're calling Breakdown Walls. And it's an initiative that is meant to bring together uh, blind and disabled and non-disabled gamers and streamers and people in general, just people that support accessibility or require accessibility, essentially, um, to just be good humans to each other and just be, be supportive and be helpful and be kind. And, and trust me, believe it or not, it's working. We have some sighted people that we call allies of accessibility that uh, are, for instance, making uh, guides for games that, uh, that we can't read some of the text on. Uh, games like Mortal Kombat 11, we have a guy that's making writing us our own move guides to that game. So just that's one example. And it's pretty great. That's great. So if you want to check out that initiative, uh, go to breakdownwalls.net and you can uh, you can listen to my podcast from there. I host my, I co-host a podcast with my good buddy Sterlock, the Breakdown Walls podcast. And uh, you can join our Discord server from there. If you have Discord and you like Discord, and you'd like to join Discord, you can do that. Uh, you can uh, learn all about everyone that's in the Breakdown Walls crew, including the disabled streamers and gamers we have and the other allies and accessibility that we have as well. Um, everything is there for your breakdown walls needs. So uh, that that is the last thing I'd like to promote because it's a really big thing that I care a lot about. So there you go. Great. Thanks, Brandon. Um, so I have one last major announcement. Though before I, I do that, I just want to send a huge shout out to our one of our board members on the ACB 
as board, Aaron Espinoza, who has donated a lot of his time um, and financial support in putting the seminar together. I know video game accessibility is a huge passion of his, and he really worked hard on this. Um, and so I just want to say thanks Good to job, him. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Brandon, I wish I could be... Um, announcing to you in person at our convention, but for your hard work in um, video game accessibility, we from ECB students would like to um, give you an award and oh, wow. we're calling this um, the ACB Students Advocate Award, Champion of Video Game Accessibility. And um, this will be mailed to you from the National Brow Press and um, it's going to be in braille and the text will be engraved on it it's like a brass and wood plaque and i'll read the text on it so it says acb students advocate award champion of video game accessibility is hereby presented to brandon cole and underneath that it says we are defining champion as one who promotes a cause that benefits the blind and visually impaired community and the date july 5th 2020 and underneath that, it says American Council of Blind Students. Um, so you'll be receiving that um, shortly. And you know, I really, really am grateful for you for this presentation today. I've learned a lot. And um, yeah, good job on everything that you've done for making accessibility in video games for us. This is really great. Well, thank Thanks. you guys thank you a bunch. Very much. I, I, I definitely did not expect this at all. So thank you very much. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Great. Um, and we'll be posting all of Brandon's information um, on our Facebook page as well. Um, so if you want to follow us um, on Facebook, it's at ACB students. We're also on Twitter at ACB students. Um, and if you can't get on any of those platforms, you can email me at president at acbstudents.org. And thank you for joining us for the seminar today. Thank you guys for having me. All right. So uh, ending CEU code 6096B, like Bravo. Again, 6096 Bravo. Thank you all and have a wonderful rest of the convention.